I decided I needed to get out of the big city for a while to search for cinema spoilers in the wild. So I hopped in my old Camino and I took off for the open road. It wasn't long before I took a left turn into the surreal. A fly landed on my arm and I got the shivers. The sounds of a typewriter filled my ears. And I was so tired I felt like I was in a dead zone. That's when my eyes caught the sight of a sign that said, Welcome to Cronenberg. Behind that sign was a place that was a dead ringer for home. As I pulled in the parking lot, I realized no matter where I go, I can always find the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends. Yes, we have taken the journey once again and drove into... Cronenberg. We've driven in here and we've pulled up to the spoiler room here in the Cronenberg. And with me tonight, I have some great crew members to talk about a very interesting Cronenberg film, and that is called Existence with a capital X and a capital Z. And the crew members who have taken this ride with me tonight are none other than the BFD himself, Mr. Glenn Bittner. How you doing, Glenn? Gassy, but it's my right. <laughs> a little gassy. Nice. And next to Glenn is the lovely Mr. Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. How are you tonight? I'm I'm gaseous clay. You're... <laughs> wow. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you gassy gentlemen. Uh, we've got existence from 1999, just before the turn of the century. Came out in April, and. Uh, Andrew, would you like to give the, the synopsis of Existence? Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, so David Cronenberg's Existence is a science fiction movie, 1999. It is a return to body horror for him, and he wrote it as well as directed it. This is basically like a uh, future where um, there is console wars between uh, rival video game companies, except for these games are like biological. So you plug them into an asshole that you get put on your body. And uh, this is a. <laughs> That's basically it. it, it... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And we follow uh, one of the programmers of these uh, asshole consoles. Uh, Allegra Geller, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, and uh, Jude Law is her protector as suddenly there's a hit put out on her. And we see how she scrambles to survive as well as figure out if her game's actually damaged by, of course, the best way to do it, you play the game. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, full disclosure, this was my first time watching this film all the way through. And, yeah, I want to get uh, my, my crew members' uh, initial reactions here of, of what they felt when they first saw this film. So, Glenn, when you first saw Existence... Oh, man. Um, I was drunk. So... Um... <laughs> well, that's how usually a lot of people's stories about Cronenberg films start out. Well, I was drunk. Uh... Yeah. Um... So I don't remember a lot from the first watch through, mm -hmm. uh, aside from the kind of what's the proper term? The, there's a lot of sounds like <laughs> now those types of sounds happen a lot in the movie. I remember that from the first playthrough. Um, 
I went back and watched it a few years later. Um, and I mean, this typical Cronenberg. I mean, it's 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 constantly uh, having a question: what's really happening? What what is real? What is not real? Um, that's what I like about Cronenberg. That's why why I watch his stuff is is for that kind of you know mind screw stuff. Yeah, it, it this one definitely uh, will play with your mind and. Uh, I got a few opinions on, on that as well, uh, which uh, we would definitely get to. But I want to hear Andrew's uh, first experience seeing existence. Well, by 99, I was obviously not only a giant fan of Cronenberg, but also just really digging all the end of the century movies that were coming that were just head trips. And yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but like. It was the year of the Matrix. It was the year of Fight Club being John Malkovich. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of weird shit. And that's just a few. I mean, it is 99. People thought the world was going to end. So they were really, <laughs> you know, it was really, really <laughs> happening. But also, um, you know, Cronenberg hadn't made like a gooey movie really since Naked Lunch in 91. So um, I just... I loved it. Um, I, I I was never a video game person, but I loved what it seemed to be saying about carrying on uh, the stuff that Cronenberg was doing in Videodrome about the merge of technology and uh, biology. So yeah, I just you know I, I totally ate it up. I remember everybody went crazy over Matrix, which does have some similarities to it. And as a matter of fact, what year what year did Aubrey Lasso's come out? O- Open your eyes, the one they remade as Vanilla Sky. Was that also ninety nine or is that ninety eight? I, uh, I. But you know what I mean, though. That one had a bit of a similar thing to the one with the plastic surgery, the guy, and everything. Like, you know, it was just a another kind of head trip movie. But yeah, no, I was certainly pleased that we got Gooey Gross Cronenberg back. <laughs> Which you you definitely have Gooey Gross Cronenberg. This is like he gets right back to his his original roots of <laughs> just no holds barred uh complete body horror stuff and i remember seeing parts of this i don't remember ever actually watching this full film but i remember the beginning part and, and the console part once i saw that i'm like oh yeah okay i think i've seen this but i don't think i ever watched it all the way through so uh this past week i watched it for the first time all the way through and my mind was just going because watching this i'm like yeah you, you've got a bit of the matrix in here but i'm looking at this going wait a minute did did the did inception did inception borrow from <laughs> this film in, in inception in the, mostly stole from a movie called paprika and anime ah okay so mostly what they stole from but you know it, it had that kind of same vibe especially as the film goes on where you're you're kind of looping into different reality, you know, which is what is actually reality and what is what is the game, um, you know. So it, I just I was getting kind of that vibe with it uh, as I was watching it, not in a bad way either, uh, but definitely an interesting film. And I I didn't even realize it shows you how little I knew about existence. Uh, I didn't even realize fully that it was like a video game movie. And then I'm watching it going, ah, this is a really good video game movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not based off of any video game, but still the the fact that uh, the story they came up with and the technology of of the bio um, 
the biopad, which it opens up and, and we learn that people have ports in their backs where this umbilical from the biopad connects up and it takes you into this super VR type world that you, you think is reality. And what kind of bugged me, got me with this, and Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but you watch this film and you're like, you know, I could see us going to that. Well, I mean, good, great sci-fi is always like a mix of um, commentary on um, current times and then uh, a predictive quality mm-hmm. uh, of, of what the future will be. And I feel like Existence does all of that, uh, like, you know, many times over. Yeah, it, it does feel a little prophetic. Glenn, what about you? Do you think this film, kind of, especially now where we're at with how gaming has taken over society thanks to cell phones, do you think this was a little prophetic, just like sci-fi should be? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would definitely say it is. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm going for my, as, as Andrew calls it, my, you know, my butthole fitting next week from the, the game port. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ah, yes, the game port, which isn't fully revealed right away, which I thought was interesting, because in the beginning, people talk about how they're ported in, and we see the game pod, which is this fleshy, uh, uh, shaped, kind of looks like a PlayStation controller, in all honesty, uh, but like just this blob with these nubs on it, which I'm sure have a little bit of a sexual connotation as well. Uh, because of Cronenberg, uh, <laughs> that oh, you, you know, you know, they're totally full of mugwump chisel. <laughs> <laughs> mugwump, you could totally see this in Naked Lunch universe. I mean, yeah. I think this plays along with how nearly all these Cronenberg films do feel like they could be within the same universe. Because yeah, mugwump juice definitely. Uh, could be filled in the the pod, which it isn't. We learn later it's mutated amphibians, or maybe it isn't. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're not shown right away the the ports and how they're connected. You just kind of see that they are. And I thought that was an interesting approach. What'd you think about that, Glenn? You think that uh, helps add kind of the creepiness to the device and that you're not quite sure how they're connected to people because you don't really see it until later on where it actually connects. I, I think just their general appearance adds enough creepiness as it is. <laughs> the, 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 the flesh pods uh, are, are... I mean... Yeah. With the umbilicals? You, you, yeah. yeah you, you find that a little unsettling to you? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's different. But yeah, it, you, know, you know, hey, you know, we someone ran over a frog in your driveway. You want to use it for a game controller? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the flesh pod technology itself is just a bit creepy um, and, and unnerving and uh, just disturbing. Uh, Andrew, uh, as you mentioned, this is kind of Cronenberg really diving back into his uh, roots of, you know, like his from his first film and that getting very gooey in that. What do you think of the, the technology, the flesh pod technology used uh, for connecting people up in that? Do you think that was cool that you don't get to see right away how it connects to people? 
Uh, I, I mean, yeah, because I mean, when you see, like you guys said, it's basically an umbilical cord. You figure, well, that's going into the body um, because that's what an umbilical is. Um, but it was kind of impossible for me to take any of it super literally uh, mm-hmm. because of the when you use an umbilical, what that is saying, you know. And so um, in 99, Cronenberg obviously did not know to the, the extent to which we would really meld with technology uh, in terms of our personal connection with our personal devices. But he did know about how um, people were starting to live via the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, that was becoming a thing that people do or just the idea of being tethered via right. a cord, uh, how vital the cord is to everything. You take the cord out of the wall, the TV goes off, the computer goes off, whatever it is ceases to exist. It lives and dies by the cord. And so putting that umbilical in there to me was just like you see that and immediately the brain starts, you know, making those associations. Right. Would it also, and and this just popped into my head, uh, possibly lead to something of maybe a little bit of a uh, uh, implication something along the lines of the womb and the mother connected to the child through umbilical and how the, the flesh pod maybe is becoming the mother to the people. <laughs> I, well, I don't I mean, know. Maybe I'm digging too deep. I don't know, but well, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you look at Allegra Geller, mm-hmm. right? Jennifer, Jason Lee, uh, having a female game designer, uh, be essentially the God or the mother. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think that's too far off base. Yeah, I mean, which is really cool that we have our main top in this world, the ultimate game designer, being female for one. So kudos there. Uh, But yeah, there's also the the kind of mother implication because you've got the umbilicals connecting up to her pod and she controls what these people see or what the game is. Uh, And she practically treats the pod like a child. In many ways, uh, it is definitely an extension of herself, uh, which could really be applied to today, uh, especially later on as the pod uh, takes damage and needs to be repaired. Glenn, is there any kind of real world today uh, uh, parallelism to when her pod, which contains her only copy of the game, starts short circuiting? (laughs) Is there what? Uh, real world comparison would you say there's a parallelism there where where we we have that kind of today when somebody's technology cooks uh oh yeah no nah, yeah no no nah, not at all of course not that never <laughs> anything like that ever happened to me directly <laughs> and you kind of reacted the same way she did when her pod died did you a <laughs> little bit a little bit you start swearing and going, what the hell? <laughs> and then someone tries to fix it, but they have a neural surge and they actually fry it further. Oh my God, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> which happens throughout this pod that's supposed to have the new version of the software existence, which she designed, which is now um, marked for death as well as herself. Uh, this pod just keeps getting damaged and, you know, she she tries to take it to uh, someone at first, and and the guy that is put in contact uh, to protect her, Ted Pickle, played by Jude Law, 
up until one point in the film, doesn't have a bioport. And then he gets a bioport so he could connect up with her, which, oh, there's just so much in this film. Uh, <laughs> gets to connect up with her, but it's bad. It, it damages her console. It's, ah, uh, the, the, the so much looking at the, what he presents in this film in 99 is, I think, very scarily uh, could fit easily to today's uh, society and technology, even more than when it first came out. Um, and, you know, you guys are talking about it, and one thing I noticed instantly that I was like, holy crap, he did truly see it ahead of time. Did you guys notice when they first did the... Because um, later on in the film, I, I know we're jumping around, folks, but this, there's so much in this movie. Later on in the film we see how it might be possible that Allegra and Ted aren't actually being pursued by assassins and she's not actually the top programmer, but she herself is playing a game along with him and other people. And there's a scene in there where once their game is done, I don't know if you guys remember or see what the people were doing, but they were all on tablet <laughs> devices. Yep. They were. <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, when was this movie made? <laughs> right. I mean, you had tablets in movies before that, I think. Yeah. To a degree, but. But, you know, you know what I'm saying is here their event is done and suddenly everybody's on it. I, you know, just looking at it like I'm like, holy crap. What is this? Not 1999. It's, is this 2019? <laughs> you know that that cutaway there um, looked like it was something out of like something brand new. Like it's crazy that that was in '99 because those people had no interest in interacting with one another. No, they interacted with the game. They're done testing the game. Now they're in real world and they're all on their devices. Not... But they're not in the real world. They don't actually return to it because they're on those. That's kind of I feel like the point that they were making, mm -hmm. or at least that's how it reads in 2019. <laughs> That they're never quite in the real world anymore. That they're they not even maybe physically, but mentally, definitely not in reality. Um, well, that's that's kind of the whole thing. I mean, one thing we didn't mention yet is there's this third group aside from the warring console companies called the realists, and these are the people that believe that this sort of virtual reality, this gaming, this this merger with the with human beings. And uh, their devices is something that's a, a, an abomination and a threat and very dangerous. So you've got those people as well in the mix. And they're the ones who initially are thought to be the one who's disrupting everything. Well, and, and that led to, uh, first off, Allegra's distrust of Ted because he didn't have a bioport. And, this, he right. would, and she reacted to him like he was some... It's like, what are you, a revolutionary or something? You don't have a bioport? Everybody's got a bioport. How do you do not have a bioport? <laughs> and he just like, I never got one. And then he mentions, which, I don't know. Is there a little bit of uh, subtext there when he mentions on how he has a phobia about his body being penetrated? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe again, I'm just reading too much into it. But w w what do you guys? What do you think? Uh, do you think maybe there was a little bit of subtext with our our our, our guy who's supposed to be the quote unquote uh, defender? How he has a phobia of having his body penetrated. 
uh, as he put it. Uh, I believe he just he adds on surgically, but still, Andrew, is there a little bit of a maybe subtext there? I mean, you know, it had to be Cronenberg has always got uh, some interested, uh, some some bit about interest in sex. And, you know, in the movie definitely has a couple of very shocking scenes. Uh, The main one I'm thinking of is when Jude Law's character just totally gives a rim job to uh, Jennifer Jason (laughs) in his bioport. Yes, because we've established they, they just look like anuses, which they do, Glenn. You are absolutely right. Uh, I mean, they're lubing them up in it. I mean, you know, there's, and she's like, at one point, she earlier in the movie, she picked, sticks her finger into hers, talking about it was excited, it wanted it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. He so, he he just got his bioport, and she comes up to him, and she starts fingering his bioport. Yeah. He's like, how is this not getting infected? And she just opens her mouth to show. You know, just because you have a giant hole in your body doesn't mean it's just some open wound, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, man, this, 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 it's like Cronenberg is just like, no, I'm going to do my, my thing now with existence again. I've made all these, uh, a few other commercial projects. I'm doing this. <laughs> and the people he got involved in it, too, it's just like, holy crap, Ian Holm is in this. Um, uh-huh. playing uh, the uh, al- quote-unquote ally who helps fix her pod. And it, this is just a, another one of those movies where you're just like, wait, holy crap, is that Chris Eccleston in this movie? Yeah, Willem <laughs> Dafoe is the, the guy at the gas station that does those bootleg ports with his greasy railgun or whatever. Yeah, with the grease. And, and his name is Gas, which I got to oh, Gas. I love how it's, yeah, that's why when you guys were doing Gassy, it's like, holy crap. What was funny is, and I thought it was an interesting tale because, uh, apart because I think there's a line in there where Jude Law says, oh, because they go to a hotel when they go on the run after the assassination attempt. They go on the run, they go to a hotel, which was kind of bizarre. And then they decide, oh, well, we need to get you a bioport. And he goes, oh, am I just going to go to the old country gas station? And the name of the, <laughs> the gas station is Old Country Gas Station. <laughs> or something along that line. It, it matched his dialogue totally. And I'm like, that's really creative. I, I like this world they, they've they developed. Glenn, what would you think of this world that they had in here? Uh, and how they handled the video game aspect where they had dialogue with looping and such. Uh, how do you think? Do you think they portrayed kind of a realistic portrayal of of, of video games? Uh, you know, uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job of it. Maybe better, I mean, better than may, so- maybe there needs to be a. Uh, I mean, the only thing missing compared to like real video games where you're playing kind of online is there's not enough assholes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have quite enough asshole NPCs. Um, yeah. Well, not NPCs, but... But just assholes, yeah. There's other players who show up, wreck your shit, and be like, Data noob! <laughs> that would have been funny to see. That See, if they did a remake, they'd probably have that in there somewhere. Um, some bro, bro, bro boys come in and, and just annihilate uh, certain sets. So, yeah, William Defoe shows up. It was great seeing his crazy gas character, and that's where we learn that there's a price on her head, and she goes on the run. Um, and, yeah, it it has a great video game feel to it. Reminded me kind of old Lucas Art 
uh, video games where you had to choose the right line of dialogue, and you have that in this film uh, because you got that just before their makeout scene where Andrew mentioned uh, she gives uh, or uh, Jude Law gives her port a a, a lick, which <laughs> I just this film is so got so much in it and bending reality, but it really does it in a way that I felt it didn't say, Oh, look at what we're doing. You know, he, he works it, I think naturally into you accepting this world. Uh, and I think he works it in well, what'd you think, Andrew? Do you think he works this video game in well enough to where the audience can buy into it and, and believe in it and that these characters are going, actually going through some of this and, uh, setting up, you know, you questioning reality. Do you think he does that well in this? Oh, yeah. Well, I see this as being part of his trilogy mm-hmm. um, that begins with Videodrome, which the three of us discussed uh, a while back. Yes. Uh, and, you you know, you dealt with it. at a certain point in Videodrome, you have no idea if what you're seeing is real. You yeah. just have no idea. And there's also, you know, a, a gross fleshy gun. Like we've got a gross gun made of uh, bone Chinese food left over. <laughs> it was such an awesome and and teeth. It was so cool. Uh, and then of course uh, the ending of that, which was the only other movie he wrote the script for after this, was Cosmopolis. Uh-huh. And they all really are addressing the same things. That you know, so Cosmopolis is the post internet social media uh, kind of thing. Right. Uh, where, whereas this was before all of that, and then Videodrome course was before all of the any any sort of internet stuff so it's i see them all kind of going together and it's all the same thing it's commenting on um how how we are choosing uh, a reality that is that is not or or making our own reality yeah it it, it really has that feel and i think he sets it up well in here and it, it I can see uh, how those three all fit together, actually. Well, almost all his films fit together with it. Um, but the, this world, it's realistic video game world. You can buy into it. And it, he's still getting his statement across uh, because the film really go, is a... It, first part of it is a people on the lam uh, running away from assassins. And then it, it takes this turn when the reality revolutionaries show up. Uh and uh well actually i'm sorry just before that because yeah you guys mentioned the the chinese food scene and i and i want to talk about that scene (laughs) wow because it it shows a link and it makes you wonder which reality if at all they're in because the gun that's used to shoot allegra in the beginning is made out of bone and shoots teeth how cool is that and then later on at the chinese restaurant Jude Law's character, Ted, is forced to eat all of this kind of slimy Chinese food, and he puts the gun together again. (laughs) Only this time, he's the one that puts it to her head, because we've established that since they're in a video game, they have certain urges depending on their character, and his urge was to shoot her, which makes you start to question his loyalty. But the whole setup with the Chinese restaurant and the gun, Glenn, how'd you... How'd, how'd you feel about this scene? What'd you think about this one, and especially that gun? That's, uh, I never got that in a box of my Captain Crunch before, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's definitely a different different snack uh, treat that, than I've ever got. 
never got never got parts of a bone gun to put together uh, from I have, China. I have not a Chinese restaurant. No. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Andrew? Ever go to a Chinese restaurant and, and have parts of a gun show up? I mean, yeah, but I got my food for free. Oh, well, that's good. Because <laughs> it was a special occasion, right? Uh, yeah, it was just like you know, if you get it, if you get the gun and the food, you get it. You know, it means you're gonna have good luck the next year or whatever. My my question is, if you did that though, what would you use for the ammo? Since you wouldn't want to use your own teeth um, for it. But <laughs> I just oh. oh, what would I shoot out of the gun? Shitty yeah. fortunes. <laughs> <laughs> Useless lotto numbers. <laughs> What I found interesting with this whole Chinese uh, restaurant angle, because, yeah, uh, along the lines, uh, way this movie goes, when they're in the video game existence, when they finally get there, they get these mini ports that attach to them, and that changes their character, and suddenly they're at the farm where the amphibians that are used to create the flesh pods are being harvested, and they go to lunch at the Oriental restaurant. And what I thought was interesting, and stuff that Cronenberg does in this film... In the very beginning, when they first arrive into existence, this world, there's a stand in the tech shop that they're in that says, uh, Chinese restaurant, will you survive? <laughs> in the beginning, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool, and it's in shot. And then later on, about 20 minutes later, not, not quite, you find, oh, well, now their characters have been sent to a Chinese restaurant. I'm like... Is that the same restaurant? It's like, holy crap, did he throw some foreshadowing right in your face? I mean, <laughs> is that kind of Cronenberg style, would you say, uh, Glenn, that uh, he, he can throw that foreshadowing and stuff, elements in there, and, and you're just like, uh, it might not connect the dots at first, but once you do, it's like, holy crap, it was there all along? Maybe, mm -hmm. because even if you pick the dots and you go, holy crap, that's how it was, it still might not be what it was, because Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still has you questioning it? Yeah, because uh, you're like, oh, so it was just a little, it was a little ducky. No, it wasn't a ducky. <laughs> well, because with the gun thing, too, it repeats itself. It, you, you get yeah. almost the same line. The gun shows up in, like, what, three different spots. And each time they grab it or whatever, the person giving them they said, "Oh, my dog gave me this." It, it's you almost... know what 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 Cronenberg movies need, mm. what they really need, is um, why I can't remember his name. It needs Ron Howard every time where they're like, and then I shot the waiter, and then him going, he didn't shoot the waiter. <laughs> Dude, just tell you that nothing you think is right, but just doing his Arrested Development voiceover. That's what. That's what. Oh man, that'd be a perfect movie. <laughs> good old, good old Richie Cunningham going. He didn't shoot the no. <laughs> His dog didn't actually give him the gun. No. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Andrew, would you say that too? That Cronenberg uh, does throw those bits out at you, uh, some foreshadowing that you might miss first time through watching. I mean, he's he's world building in his weird way. Yeah, you know, so that. Uh, but also, again, and because you're talking about Cronenberg's movies in order, and we're looking at the body of work rather than just talking about this movie at random. 
Um, you think about uh, Max Renz, the gun that he's got, and then he pulls in a bit, the pistol as is, is part of his hand. Right. And then we have this gun in this Chinese restaurant, and then Cosmopolis is full of like sudden shocking violence, including violence with the gun. The ending, uh, very, very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that he's he's building a world within his movie, but he's also just got this existing world in his own work, mm-hmm. you know. And so, anytime you see something, uh, it's ju- not just done for shock value or go. This will be a weird Cronenbergian thing for me to do. It all fits together, and there's so much payoff, not just within the you know, this movie, but you know, just in the filmography in general. Um, we're gonna talk about Crash. I hope. At yeah, some point, next, I think you uh, probably next would have if you hadn't flip-flopped it. Um, Crash really is a really connects to this movie in a big way in mm-hmm. terms of like seeing um, uh, the body changing the body, uh, um, things that should be horrifying, uh, seeing as a part of evolution. Mm-hmm. And 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 what's interesting is uh, you bring it up with the body uh, with attaching the flesh pod. Um, Allegra, or huh? The butt port to the butt port to the butt yes <laughs> to the butt port, which now I'll never be able to think of the uh, bio port again as anything other than the butt port. Um, and it didn't help that Andrew described it as a rim job when Jude Law licked it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what do you suppose that was if it wasn't a rim job? No, it. I mean, I, what could it? What could it be referred to? As? No, it. It was totally inferred to, and it's no, no coincidence. It looks like an anus because we've seen that imagery before from Cronenberg in previous film that we talked about last month, Naked Lunch. There was a bug with a gigantic anus that talked. Okay, uh-huh. and here we have an anus that communicates to the flesh pot. Sorry, um, it just feels so weird saying. Uh, but you have an anus connected to the umbilical cord, which gets you to the flesh pod, which takes you into this uh, uh, fantasy world. Uh, <laughs> just just describing it out loud, you're just sitting here going, "Wow!" Uh, you, you know, there there's there could be many layers to his films, and there's definitely one in this especially when we get into the exploration of the Ted character and they make you question his loyalty. And then, you know, what, like two-thirds of the way through, suddenly we learn that, well, maybe what we just saw with the whole revolution and the reality revolution may not have been the case because we cut to where they don't have uh, bio ports. They're actually using hard technology uh, which I thought was an interesting switch, but yet it was still the same thing. And it was almost the same world, which again made you question whether or not they're in the real world or the game world. Um, and I thought that was that was interesting how he switched realities like that. And yeah, w- do you think they were just trapped in this loop by the flesh pod not wanting them to get out or did something else trap them in the existence world and keep them looping through different programs uh, Andrew what, what do you think do you think the w- way it plays out that uh, maybe they were being kept in there either by the rival or by the flesh pod uh, I think the movie is uh, you know at first by design it's supposed to like keep surprising you and keep you guessing 
Uh, the best example of that would be how many times you have a scene of someone suddenly being shot, and there's a moment where you don't know who shot them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that happens a few times. And so uh, the way it's set up is like, you know, especially with the way that it ends, very Twilight Zone y, you're, you're always going to question whether or not what you're seeing is real. But that comment is how real is anything? How right. subjective is reality? You know, that's the fun thing to think about when you're when you're watching it. And so um, there's not really a definitive answer because mm-hmm. it's so subjective, because rea- that's the nature of reality. Um, and so that's what I love about the movie. It's like you can't say for sure mm-hmm. why exactly all that happened, what it was happening. You can't point a clear finger. You want to go like you want to accept the end of the movie because you finally at long last see not these weird fleshy video game things with something that looks like it's made of plastic and we actually can relate to it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that was meant to tell you like, okay, now they're in the real world and these people are just like gone. They're just nuts. Yeah. They, and I I can see the interpretation because I was, I was trying to figure out exactly what he was going for. And if they're trapped in the video game, if they're just nuts and going around annihilating people, thinking they're still in the video game. Uh, Glenn, what about you? Uh, what was your take with the ending of this and, and uh, them in general kind of switching and suddenly technology was different, but it was a very similar situation and and they are starting to off people. I mean, uh, what do you think? Do you think they were crazy? Do you think they were trapped inside the flesh pod? Yes. <laughs> Just, I, just yes. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 um, trapped. They're crazy. It it's I don't know. It's I just when the Cronenberger movie ends, I just go okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to say in simple terms, you could say the twist of the movie is the people you thought were the heroes the whole time were actually the villains, but are they villains because they're championing? Uh, like you know reality right yeah and and then at the same time are they being controlled because there was some implication in there throughout like with the flesh pod that it might not like exactly being used for altering reality at least some a little hint of it at least that's what i took maybe i'm off on it but uh you know with the revolutionary angle uh, with them being brought in and them seeing kind of being a surprise to Allegra um, as far as the uh, the revolutionaries uh, for reality I almost got the implication that they maybe were going for that the flesh pod being a living thing didn't exactly like being used for altering reality um, and it was going to punish these two especially for it uh, and again, maybe I'm making a, a lake out of a puddle, but you know, but it felt implied a bit that there was there was maybe some of that going on. Uh, you know, what do you think on that, Glenn? Do you think maybe they're leading? You know, there was maybe some of that hint of the flesh pod trapping them as well. I know you mentioned you just go okay at the end of the, but. Are there elements in there that could lead to possibly that conclusion? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's elements that could lead to that. There's, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I, I thought that was an interesting concept as well, especially with it being 99 and the investment of technology really ramping up. I'm like, that's 
kind of interesting how the technology is saying, you know what? No, I'm done being your slave to fantasy. Uh, so I'm just going to trap you guys here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess that's the way I took, there's a lot of things to take away from this film. Uh, like I said, being my first full-time watch through at the end. Yeah. It, it's one of those, I was kind of like you were saying, Glenn, I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of a moment like inception moment where you're like, okay, did the top actually move or not? Uh, you know, what, what reality are they actually in just for a moment? But then I was just like, whatever I guess could be wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure I, I, whatever answer, but Andrew, uh, with a Cronenberg film, with a conclusion that you come to, like, like I did, or like, uh, both of you uh, did come to great conclusions. Are you exactly wrong with a Cronenberg film or does he leave it that way on purpose with the interpretation of just you get out of it what you're going to because he has his own internal meanings and what he gets out of it, but he's not necessarily going to force that upon you? No, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Cronenberg began as a novelist, right? And that was actually what he wanted to do was write books. And so you've got the words that are being used, and then you've got the meaning that the person takes away based on their understanding of the words. Mm -hmm. So we're just now talking about the visuals, talking about story, but we're still talking about your impression. And right. I think that's what Cronenberg deals in. There's not a whole lot of absolutes happening. Otherwise, there wouldn't be all this weird shit in it. <laughs> There are de there are definitely absolute and what's what I what I love and it's also kind of frustrating to watch is just when you think you've got the absolutes figured out and that happens in existence just when you think I'm like okay I've got this world figured out I've got the technology figured out this is what's going on he throws something at you from left field and you're just like shit okay no maybe not <laughs> okay maybe that's not it at all uh you know it, it, it yeah that's what's great about it and this one is definitely one of the the epitomes of that and it makes it such a great watch and it's a solid video game film it really is i've i in all honesty even ones that have come after this i have not seen many video game films especially for vr that handled the material quite like he does here and I think it's because of the type of director he is to where, uh, you know, he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> He's going to make the story he wants to make, you know. Uh, what would you think of the mutants? Uh, I want to get you guys' opinion on that because throughout this film, they keep running across mutants, like the two-headed lizard, and they've got mutated amphibians for the flesh pods, and then we find out later mutants are used for food, and the genetic manipulation of biology in here. Andrew, what'd you think of that angle? And is he making kind of a statement about genetic mutations and, and playing with genetics as well? Uh, I don't know. I, to me, I took the mutations as being sort of a, a mirror as to what is happening with the people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know they are, they are being... Uh, they're being altered. And, you know, um, at one point when they first are shown... Um, uh, the um, Ale Allegra, yeah. is that her name? Mm -hmm. She th she brushes off the fact that there are these mutants by saying like, "Hey, sign of the times," and what that tells me is that it's like, "Hey, 
we're doing this shit too to ourselves. <laughs> we are now we are slowly becoming mutated. We are our you know our bodies are now changing to we've changed our own you know and so uh, to me it was kind of just like a reflection of what was happening with the humans but also uh the disposable viewpoint of the human being in terms of the capitalist mindset mm-hmm. you know it's like oh well you're just you're just meat you're just something that you know this is this is for me to get my ends you know and so there's a there's a lot of neat stuff going on there with that i think but i think if we're going to be on the nose about it, I think, yeah, it was, is sort of meant to reflect what is happening to the human bodies. Mm-hmm. What about you, Glenn, with the mutant creatures? Would you say that's kind of supposed to be like a reflection of what's happening to the humans and, and uh, showing how they're affecting their world through their own, uh, this whole flesh pod thing? <laughs> um, yeah, I could, I could, I could definitely see that. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's so much. Uh, I, I I rewatched this just last week, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I don't know. I, I think I need to be in a very specific headspace to really, really absorb Cronenberg. Uh, uh-huh. um, but yeah, there's just there's so much going on, and I I have found in my experience that his movies, uh, at least my viewings of them. Um, it goes better when I watch it with someone. Sure. Because then I have someone immediately to talk to uh, about this <laughs> stuff. And occasionally pause it and be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do think something we can all agree on is that this was a, an overlooked movie, an underseen movie, and his style of science fiction is not in step with... Uh, the popular style of science fiction is very special effects spectacle and action based. And this is like not that. Uh, and I think I'm so glad we're talking about it. Like, this movie really deserves not only to be uh, to be looked at again and reevaluated, but also some way better cover art than this garbage that Miramax did with it. <laughs> that, that cover art feels like it's such a it's so direct to video. It's terrible. Shopped altered just whatever we'll just throw some image together because it at all does not reflect this film it makes it look like something cheesy some kind of cheesy well we covered the film in the past like the fortress or something some kind of cheesy action film from the 90s and this film is by far not that and i agree it is underrated i mean i didn't barely knew much about it i barely knew much and in all honesty Part of it could be the cover art because I'd see it go, eh, maybe, you know, because from what it looks like, okay, we've got that cheesy cliche, you know, he's holding the gun, protecting her, and there's some weird, like, flames on the cover, and that's it. And you look at it, and if you can't even tell it's a gun, it's the tooth gun, but it seriously could also be a kebab. (laughs) He's he's attacking people with a kebab. And you're right. Uh, I think this film is underrated and, and isn't talked about it much, and it's still a film, actually, and as we've talked about tonight already, is more eerily relevant <laughs> than when it came out in 99. I mean, here we are 20 years later, and you look at it going, holy crap, that's my local tech store right now. <laughs> it's like, that's a GameStop, for crying out loud. 
you just you don't have the the anus ports um, to plug into yet, uh, <laughs> but it's coming. I hear Nintendo's working on it. So, uh, <laughs> and in this movie, the men have way more respects for the female gamers and creators than they do in real life now. That's what I yeah. It's like when Allegra, because she's a, she's the creator of the game and of a number of games, top like programmer in the world. All the guys that run across her, the minute they find out who she is, they're like bowing at her feet. And yeah, in in real life, they'd be like, um, actually. <laughs> they they'd explain to her how her flesh pod works. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that part's the only part that's a little flimsy. The the gun made out of, you know, fish parts I can buy, but not the, <laughs> not the fact that the guys not give the respect for the female creator. <laughs> Which again, we have that, you know, n- the 90s kind of trying to change i think the perspective at least cronenberg trying to change the perspective a bit of female characters in in a film uh because she seems to roll with things so much better than i mean jude law's character throughout most of this film is just a wuss (laughs) for lack of a better term uh you know and she rolls with everything uh maybe a little bit too much but still uh, she seems definitely the stronger of the two characters. Wouldn't wouldn't you say, Glenn, that uh, Allegra is the stronger of the two characters? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and how about you, Andrew? Would you say the same? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee seemed to always be, especially in her later uh, career, drawn to complex and uh, uh, multi-layer damaged and dynamic characters. And uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that she picked this person to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she always she definitely seems to pick interesting characters, and this one is is definitely that. And she's a strong character uh, throughout, pretty much. Um, you know, even when she needed help or or that, she was like, <laughs> I mean, the seed at the beginning. She gets shot with a tooth, and she's like just ripping on this guy that's supposed to be her protection. You almost get to feel like. Man, I just, you know, ju- just leave, I'll protect myself, <laughs> is, <laughs> is the attitude you kind of get from her. Um, and yeah, you're right, it's it's a little unrealistic in that you don't have uh, uh, more people coming out and saying, well, you're not really the greatest programmer ever. In fact, uh, more programmer uh, companies wanted her. You you get that scene where the realistic, or the realist revolutionaries are coming out, and then you come to find out, well, not really. No, he's a double agent, and he wanted to really recruit you for this other company. And yeah. I mean, she's like in demand, and here at a battlefield, they're like, "No, no, I'm giving you a pitch to come over to our company." Um, <laughs> so yeah, her character is really strong, and uh, she's really the only main female character in the yeah. film. Yeah as well which is which is interesting i mean we we get one later on but as far as following throughout the film she is she's the only real main female character which uh, amongst a whole cast of men uh (laughs) so uh yeah i think this is an underrated film i was happy to watch it i'll go to watch it again uh sooner rather than later uh and i i think 
it's still relevant. And with the practical effects, this film aged really well. Wouldn't you say, Andrew, that this, this film, I mean, really, it could easily be considered made today, like months ago. Yeah, the, I, think. Um, I, I agree with you. The uh, CG is not bad. Uh, the practical effects that I think what most people don't know about Existence is how gory and gross it is. Sure. A lot of gore, a lot of practical gore in this movie. Um, but um, I, I re- revisiting it now, I think it's even, I think it's even more relevant. I recently read, and this may have had a, an effect on my perception of the movie, but I recently read this uh, book called Like War. Um, it's the subtitled "The Weaponization of Social Media." It's fascinating mm-hmm. if anybody wants to understand exactly, you know, how how war is now being fought online rather than with bombs and guns and it's it's amazing but one of the things that it talks about which is is people's reality which is um fact and opinion have switched and mm-hmm. people really are <laughs> it's when you watch a movie like existence like people choosing uh choosing their own reality versus what's there um it, it is like the the fight for <laughs> real life and does it even really exist? It's fucking mind blowing. And then I watched this because I just finished the book a couple months ago. And then I'm like, that was a head trip in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> and then coming to this, I'm going like, God, maybe now's the time for existence. I'm like, I, I'm so glad I got to talk about it with you. But also, I'm just so glad we just happen to be talking about Cronenberg's movies now because this is one of the most like ahead of its time things that he did. Yeah, it it definitely is ahead of its time yet very relevant and Glenn what about you would you say the film is even more relevant than when it came out and that it holds up well it aged well oh it aged incredibly well mm-hmm. um and I I mean I think as, as you know it's it's definitely was thinking ahead of its time mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways and I, I think it really reflects uh current the current culture even more so than it did when it first came out yeah, I think so too. That's what was kind of creepy watching this for the first time all the way through. I'm watching this going, when was this made? 20 years ago? Really? Because. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, in the 90s, man, like we had like a lot of like body modification was starting to be a thing. Yeah. You know, uh, but cell phones and internet really wasn't the thing. There wasn't this tether that mm-hmm. people now have the technology to where. And actually, it wasn't a few. It wasn't too much longer than this, where people actually started to begin to uh, prefer online interaction to real life. I have a friend who will, does not. I have more than one friend that will not take an actual call on their cell phone. Does not want to talk. Um, I had friends back in the day of AOL Instant Messenger that literally did not want to actually call. They only wanted to instant message. And so, for for them to be I don't know, man. Like you look at it then, and it didn't dawn on you that anyone would actually do this. It seemed like fantasy, but like I don't know. I know we weren't going to ask any questions or anything. No, but, go right ahead. I mean, do you Please, by do all you guys means. think that? And maybe you be better. I actually think you you being in IT and Glenn being uh, dealing with games be the best people to talk about this movie instead of me. But like. Uh, can you could could you see p- things going this way to, to things like a like an iPhone and social media becoming uh, not just part of your life and controlling life and death, which they do, um, 
being something like the people would want to do, could you see them wanting an organic thing, an implant of some kind, you know? Oh, what do you think, Glenn? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, well, well, then I can I can ask this and instead. Um, you, okay, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, if not that, can you see something like the realist movement happening? Um, I know uh, I have a, a sister who is sixteen, does not do social media at all. Oh, I, I absolutely can see something like that happening, especially as we get as we get deeper and deeper into you know when you start exploring like when we actually get into like virtual reality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can see a, easily. I can see something like that being a thing. A cultural rejection of like the, a generation just going like, let's chop this off. Let's it, stop. It's actually. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say that as well. That. Uh, the connection, the Bioport connection, maybe I could see that five years ago or, you know, which in technology wise is like huge, but now there's an, there's an underlining bubbling going on. And, and part of it is due, not off a hand, it's due to good old Mr. Zuckerberg's Facebook, but it's also, uh, rolling to other people as well. And you're just seeing the bubblings, I think, of people who are cutting themselves off from Facebook Messenger. They're they're canceling their Instagram accounts. They're closing their Twitter accounts. They're moving slowly, and I'm not saying it's a huge movement, but there is there does appear to seem this kind of bubbling of people who are starting to move to disconnect because of commercialism jumping into your social media and the whole idea of privacy and what actually is being shared and what you are being exposed to because of your own habits. And it seems to start bugging more and more people as the years go on, which is an interesting move considering everybody's still attached to their phone. But at the same time, especially with the younger folks, you're seeing it. People are like, you know what? I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. they 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 limit themselves maybe to one app instead of all the apps. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you think you're not ported in, uh, that's the thing. And that was kind of the the thing about this book, Like War. This was not about like, here's what might happen or here's what could be happening. That book is about what already happened. Like right. this already occurred. This isn't some weird future we're predicting. Shit happened already, and here's how it happened, and you know everything like that. Uh, part of the book says um, the average person touches their phone over 2,000 times in one day. Like sure. Their their fingertips touch this thing over 2,000 times in one day. And if that's not fucking ported in, I don't know what is a biological yeah. port. You know, that's you might as well have it like, a, you know, fucking an asshole that it's plugged into. <laughs> you know, think about the people that walk around with the Bluetooth on their ear. Oh, like, yeah. What the fuck kind of cyborg do you uh, do you not realize how bizarre you look? Well, well, like, and, and then you've got Bluetooth on your device, and then your car has Bluetooth, and then your laptop and your entertainment center has Bluetooth. So basically, you yeah, have Bluetooth Alexa, on. I mean, it, it's Alexa. all there. I reminded me years ago when the Bluetooth the headset, the earpiece was like brand new. 
uh, Wired, I think it was Wired magazine, of all things, that was kind of criticizing it, had a picture of Brad Pitt with the Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And they're like, uh, he's barely pulling it off, and you're not Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) I love Wired. I read that. I have a a friend that gets it, and they give me their issue every time they're done with it. Wired is so fucking good. It does not surprise me that that was in there. Yeah, it it does. You do look weird. Well, I remember way back when uh, Internet and and Wi-Fi was just starting to take off. You had people who literally were called cyborgs. They were the ones that had, they were larger battery packs, but they had battery packs attached to belts and backpacks, and they had visors that showed a display that they had a keyboard attached to, like, their leg that they could tap. And they basically walked around, and they looked freaking like a cyborg. But they could remember get, Google Glass, those glasses that that failed miserably. But yeah, they tried that Google Glasses to where you put them on, and it instantly brings pop-ups and information and things you could see, um, you know, just in real time. You know, we've got altered reality. Heck, my Nintendo stuff. Uh, came with some altered reality where they had cards that if you looked through the Wii U uh, visor, the card actually had like a little world or something on it. You know, the altered reality. And and that blurred between reality and fantasy happens and, and people are starting to cut themselves off a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I guess getting back to the original thing, I could see a reality movement for sure. Not so much the Bioport anymore because trust issues online are so huge now and are just going to get worse. I'm not sure that would become popular anymore, but I could definitely see a realistic unplug movement not taking quite such a violent action, but still a larger movement growing, uh in today's world so it'd be similar but not with guns that we saw in existence so <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question uh, it's 3d printed rather than made of teeth there you go yeah 3d printer instead of made of teeth uh, made out of uh, wood material that wouldn't show up on a uh, metal detector uh yeah so <laughs> it it's not that far off which makes this film a little bit scary glenn did you have a question or something you maybe wanted to talk about with existence or, or try to work through with this film uh how many times do you think david Cronenberg was dropped on his head as a child <laughs> I'm I'm not sure on that, uh, Andrew. <laughs> oh man, I mean, well, definitely once. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, to knock some shit loose. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say two times. Two. Ah. I I'd say two to three. Yeah, two, and then maybe a third, like a a, a brush against it. You know, like not a complete hit, but. Kind of like a grazing of the head. <laughs> you know? um, You're both wrong. Cronenberg has no head. He doesn't actually exist. This is all in your mind. That I would, I would believe that. I, I could definitely. I, I do that. mostly because he's Canadian. <laughs> That's, that's the deciding factor is the fact he's Canadian. So, 
But uh, yeah, so folks, uh, we'll wrap it up tonight. Uh, existence, we'll go down the line real quick. And this is the part where uh, two things. I want my guests to uh, both just give their uh, recommendation, who, who they think should watch this, or if you would re- recommend the film, and then go ahead and chill whatever shit you've got. Uh, that you'd like to promote. So, uh, Glenn, why don't you go first? Uh, give your final thought on, on uh, who you might recommend this to, if anyone, and uh, you know anything you want to plug. Oh, I recommend this movie to people that I don't like because it'll it'll make them possibly have their heads explode. And I recommend <laughs> it to all of my all of my friends as well because I know that they would enjoy the mind screwing their heads. Nice. And just like actual. People's heads. <laughs> nice. Do you have anything you want to show? Uh, I mean, you can find just find me on Twitter, uh, Games in a Bunker. That's I'm not doing a lot right now. It's I'm I'm in retail and it's almost holiday season, so I'm going to work and sleep, and that's all I'm going to do for the next two and a half months. I, I I feel you there. I work IT for a retail company, and all things point to Black Friday. So, uh, yeah, the focus is becoming there and nothing else really matters at this point uh, until after the probably Christmas. So, uh, and Andrew, how about you? Who and would you recommend Existence? I think I know your answer. And uh, anything you want to plug, by all means, please, now's the time. Uh, I think if you're trying to watch some obscure 90s horror that this would definitely fit that bill. Um, if you're a fan of movies like anything from like The Matrix to maybe even like something like Last Starfighter or Ready Player One, uh, this would definitely be a cool movie to watch because of all of that. But definitely, if you're a Cronenberg completist, you got to watch them all because especially the ones he wrote and directed, uh, there is a there is a connection between all of those. And like I said, uh, Existence was the next to last one that he wrote, uh, the other, the last one would be Cosmopolis. Um, for the things that I am doing uh, right now, um, you can watch a couple of my new movies that I have on Amazon prime, uh, booty meat and bikini gorilla. Please play those. Please watch them. Uh, also my friend Henrik Couteau's new, um, series is called popcorn fodder. I play a character on there called actual Dracula, and, uh, he's a vampire. He's nice. actually Dracula. Nice. And, um, uh, my friends and I, speaking of vampires, are a couple weeks away from our yearly underground film show. It's all movies that we make here in Athens, Georgia. Um, this will be the premiere of uh, The Last Woman on Earth. This will be the premiere of um, the final installment of Bad Girl Dracula. We have just several new movies that are coming out. Um, Bad Girl Dracula, is there's a planned uh, Blu-ray release, hopefully going to happen by the end of the year. At, uh, so save up a little bit of Christmas cash for that. Nice. So check out all that stuff from these fine folks who have graciously donated their time to talk about a very interesting film here on the podcast. I thank you both for joining us. I hope this wet your whistle to uh, look for, uh, yeah, just look for a Cronenberg thing. And I almost forgot, we always close out a Cronenberg episode as we leave. We're hopping in the car and driving away with our flesh pods. Uh, What's one thing that you want to take away from Cronenberg with existence andrew uh the one thing i took away from existence is if someone asks you to order the special at a restaurant and they try to get you not to 
you want to go ahead and not order that special. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Glenn, we're driving away from Cronenberg. What's one thing you take away with you from existence? I want to petition all cereal and Cracker Jack manufacturers to start including bone guns as a possible prize for me to get. <laughs> and does like the grand prize be the, the teeth that you can actually arm the gun with? Yes. <laughs> it must shoot vagina teeth. God, you think Pez really missed their tie-in opportunity with existence? Oh, man, yeah. Some little teeth-shaped pez. <laughs> Out of a little little gun, because it's got a little part where you could cock it back, so it'd be like a pez dispenser almost. You you cock it back, and it comes out with a little teeth, little teeth yeah, pez. I could have called it exis pen, uh, exis pez, exapez. <laughs> oh my god, exis pez. <laughs> if folks, if you do make that copyright spoiler room twenty. 19 so there you go uh, <laughs> excess pens now i want that now i want a pez pez a whole line of pez dispensers based off of existence uh you could maybe have the two two-headed um uh lizard you know yeah whatever. double dispenser the double dispenser yeah you know there's a lot of different angles you could take with this film that is honestly only 97 i think it's only 97 minutes long but there's so a much in there. packed into this film. And yes, as, as I leave uh, Cronenberg uh, existence, uh, I will just say be careful what you plug in to your anus port because you might suffer a neural surge and short-circuit something. So there, <laughs> there you go, folks. <laughs> and now let's just say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you want to get that wireless butt plug. <laughs> that goes all the way inside you and then changes your character because, and let, let's face it, if something goes all the way inside your butt, it's definitely going to change your character. Yeah, I'm totally signed up for Blue Butt as soon as available. <laughs> blue Butt? <laughs> blue butt. Brown Tooth. Brown Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.